The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to the 442 Insider Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of football's greatest magazine. Today I'm joined by publisher Andy Jackson. Hello. And deputy editor Trevor Trahan. Hello. Usual suspects. And we have a packed podcast for you this week. There's uh, all sorts to talk about, so let's get on with it. End of the EPL season happened on the weekend. Chelsea won the title after Chelsea a... Chelsea stumbled uh, over the line, didn't they? Yeah. Stuffing Stoke. No, Wigan. Wigan, yeah. Read my notes, eh? They stuffed Stoke. <laughs> they stuffed Stoke well. as well, yeah. They stuffed everyone. Stuffing Wigan 8-0 and a nice little um, uh, dummy spit by Didier Drogba over a penalty. Um, lads, Chelsea deserving winners, do you think? Um, you can't really argue after the... Uh that last performance 103 goals overall I think it was for the whole season I think when you look back retrospectively look at the Premier League season the biggest surprise is that it went down to the final day Mm -hmm. because I think that Chelsea squad's a lot better than that Man U team and as soon as Rooney went out injured then Man U looked quite frail up front and Chelsea were always going to run away with it so yeah definitely deserve winners Mm. yeah I mean on that as well it was a surprise it went to the last day particularly when you look at Chelsea had 100% 100% record against Man United, Liverpool and Arsenal and you would normally assume that if a team does a clean sweep that I mean, there'd be did, some daylight between them. Did Liverpool do that the other season? They beat, well they certainly had a great, I think they beat Man U yeah, home away and away and didn't lose a game and they didn't yeah. win the title. So do we think that their their odds on favourite for next season? I mean I know it's sort of, there's a lot can happen but what do the, I suppose, what do the chasing pack need to do to right. get them over the line? As we said it was very close at the end, do they need to do much? Um, yeah, I mean, you could say that the, the squad's ageing a bit, and it is, but they've still got, you know, I'd say probably another couple of seasons with the nucleus of that squad before you would say it was a sort of over-the-hill squad of a, a sort of AC Milan-type nature. And they've got a lot of players around 29, 30, 31. Um, I'll go out on a limb. I'd say favourites for the Premier League title next season is Manchester City. Really? Because wow. I think... I think they now sort of know what it takes. Um, they're not in the Champions League, so I think that would be less of a distraction. What about attracting players, and, though, without Champions Well, Champions? I just think that... Money. Yeah, I think they've made enough of a, of a stand and there are enough people there earning a lot of money and they've got close enough that people would say, right, one more season they're going to be in the Champions League. Um, I think Man United, you know, as you said, I think will, will struggle. Um, talk about an ageing squad, you know, their reliance on some of their older players, particularly in key games, um, worked for them sometimes, didn't work for them other times, but you've got to say that Neville, Scholes, Giggs are are past it with regards to be a consistent force mm. in the Premier League. Liverpool have got their issues. Spurs, you know, should they qualify for the Champions League? Have they got a big enough squad to, to compete in the Champions League and, and, finish, and finish fourth again? You'd argue that they'd probably prioritise the Champions League if they have a chance at it, having worked so hard to get there. So I think that if there's a team that has the potential to be significantly better than last season, um, it'd be Man City. Mm. Trev, Andy mentioned Spurs and, and fourth spot. Obviously, the other two Champions League automatic spots went to Man United and Arsenal, but Tottenham getting in the fourth spot and getting Champions League qualification... Do you think this is a one-season wonder, and and you know, like Liverpool or Man City will will be 
battling out for fourth spot next year or do you think they can sustain it? Depends a lot on their recruitment in the summer. Um, if they can go out and attract the right sort of players, throw a little bit of money um, into sort of hoping to retain a top four s- spot, then they've definitely got a chance. I mean, this summer, you know, the World Cup obviously aside, is going to be really interesting transfer-wise because it's going to be interesting to see City go out for. Man U have got to reinforce, um, you know, what are they going to do to chase Chelsea? Um, I think Spurs are going to be hard-pressed to, to get fourth again, yeah. Mm. Now, the off-season is going to be uh, fun for many reasons, but uh, as Trev said, all the comings and goings in the Premier League. Andy, do you, what are you most interested in, in seeing? Who Man City are going to spend their money on? Or what's going to happen with Liverpool with regards to you know Torres, Benitez, Gerrard going? <coughs> Which one seems to be the more compelling um, story? I think the Liverpool, the you know, the implosion of Liverpool you know that would be very interesting to watch I mean obviously they're talking about Benitez in for a second round of talks now um, I mean I still don't understand the, the blind sort of faith that a lot of the Liverpool faithful still have in him I mean, we were on the receiving end of a few hundred emails last weekend that yeah. targeting the press black saying it was the press's fault you know that was an agenda against Benitez well, there isn't it's not very good yeah you know he spent a quarter of a billion pounds on 70 odd players and you could count on the fingers of one hand the ones that have been successful you know mm. um, I mean I think that one of the, the, the interesting things would be see if he goes who's going to go there and replace him because it's not the most appealing of jobs you've got to be honest at the moment mm. unless they can sort out the, the ownership um and get owners there that are willing to invest. Um, I mean, Benitez has come out and said that you know he wants a complete overhaul, a complete overhaul of the squad he's built. You know, which is, but also, um, is that the get-out clause for him? You know, he's going to say, well, if you're not going to back me to do this, then then I'm out. You know, and he's creating that sort of reason. But you know, you've got to look at the big names in, in European management. I don't think any of them would touch Liverpool with a barge pole at the moment. No. I think there's a couple of really good players coming up for grabs this summer. I think David Villa will finally leave and come somewhere. And I think he'll probably end up at Man City. Mm. Um, and Sergio Aguera, who was brilliant this morning, um, I think he'll probably move on as well. But when you've got you know Real Madrid and particularly City coming in, willing to pay any sort of money, players that Man U could probably do with as well will end up going to City. Yeah. There were a couple of other games during the week and uh, actually both of them were, were last night and in the early hours of this morning. The first up was the Asian Champions League uh, through to the knockout stage and uh, Adelaide United put up a, a very brave fight, uh, took the game into extra time but couldn't, um, couldn't win out as they lost 3-2 to John Book Motors. Uh, goal, in ex- goal in extra time, sealing the win. Um, what do we think of, of Adelaide? Um, yeah, you know, again, it was another good run. I mean, to go from, you know, to taking the wooden spoon to, to get into the knockout stages and, and pushing um, a very good side, you know, a, a, to extra time. Only just, mind you, to, mm. it was in the 95th minute when uh, they poked here. I think uh, Galekovic was up for the corner and I think he did just slightly get a touch on it. He'll probably be claiming They always claim it, probably don't probably they? probably an yeah. assist. He went to Van Dijk and just stuck a toe out and it went in. Um, but I mean it was bad defending to give away the goal extra time between mm. uh, Fife and Cassio I mean Fife just let the guy drift across assuming that Cassio was going to pick him up and Cassio didn't bother 
fella gets a free header at the far post. Maybe over. maybe and Fife was upset about not making the World Cup squad. Yeah, playing on his yeah, mind. We're all upset about that. Yeah, and it, you know it, it was a shame because they actually had a really good chance of, of taking that extra time simply because um, John Motors clearly thought they got the game won and with about ten minutes to go, mm. took off the, the the by far the best player on the pitch, the Brazilian guy. Uh, Janinho Inigno, yeah. and um, and so then when it went to extra time they were, you know you, you thought right oh, okay they've got 30 minutes the best player's gone you know like we've got a real chance of this and uh, to just concede that goal was you could see that it was yeah it just became another comeback too far mm. but, um, but yeah. yeah good good on them you know I thought they, they played well in parts yeah. and the, the Korean teams have done really well in this Asian Champions League or the, the other three Korean four, three, aren't they? exactly four, yeah nine. so you know the I think they were favourites heading into this based on what the Korean teams are doing. So it's clearly a very strong league at the minute. Yeah, I know what they're doing. Um, and the other game, the Europa League Europa League Cup final, is that what it's called now? The Europa League Europa final. League it's, final. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Atletico Madrid against Fulham. Um, and Atletico won 2-1 in extra time. Diego Forlan scored both goals and a um, lucky... Second goal, good strike. I mean, it hit the defender on the bum and kind of went through and Shorts couldn't get it, but it was a nice bit of poaching. He got his angles right, didn't he? <laughs> I got a bit. I didn't see the second goal, so I had, to, <laughs> I had to drive to work. So I left about five minutes into extra time. Ah, so. Did you see it, Trev? I, I did see it, yeah. And I think Fallen will probably tell you that as a striker, that's what you should be doing, running across yeah. into those areas and getting anything you can on it. But for Schwartz, that must have been agonising because it's one of those ones that hasn't fired past him, nah. you know, but has got just enough on it so that he can only dive in vain and watch it go in. So, yeah, I mean, that's Forlan's been typical of that a few times I've watched Atletico Madrid this season, like a lot of strikers. They don't seem to do a lot else. Yeah. They don't seem to have much more involvement, but at the end, they're on the score sheet twice and yeah. that's exactly what he done. And he's a completely different player to the, to the one that we saw play for Manchester United, who was uh, Diego Forlorn, wasn't he, really? <laughs> Um, but now he seems to have really reinvented himself and he's won a couple of uh, top scorers. Well, he's Europe's in, top in, scorer, wasn't he, the other season? Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Which is hard to do from Uruguay as well. I think, so. I think, <laughs> so, I mean, I think Trev's probably hitting the nail on the head as to why he wasn't necessarily a success in the Premier League because those sort of strikers tend not to get you know, the fans on side. You know, we see it with Berbatov. You know, mm. It's like yeah, English fans like to see a, a, a striker, Harry and Chase and put defenders under pressure and because they sort of see that as as work as work rate you know and so if they don't see particularly when you know it's an expensive import or a, you know not a sort of local lad you know sort of coming over and not putting it in it's very very quick to get on both sort of players backs which then affects their confidence and yeah and I think the pace of the game uh in La Liga would uh would, would suit the player like Fulham more and that's why you see more of those sort of just pure goal poachers in, in the Spanish and the Italian leagues that yeah. you do in the Premier League but a bittersweet end to what was a very successful season for Fulham wasn't it you know Roy mm. Hodgson winning uh, some awards for his his great work on the, on the bench in the trench coat and uh, you know just a shame it had to end that way for for the Fulham lads and Mark Schwartz it was yeah but I mean from a Fulham fan's point of view I think a always think about it from a fan's point of view the experience you know the going that far and just the trip over to Hamburg and all that they'll remember that forever you know even yeah. if they couldn't couldn't quite win it that's great stuff lads that was the the week in football but join us after the break as we're going to have a look at um pim's squad and also have a look at uh, group d which uh, happens to feature australia so join us then
The countdown to the 2010 World Cup has begun, so now's the time to start showing support for your team. Kit yourself out in all the latest Socceroos gear from Rebel Sport and get ready for the action to begin. We've got men's and kids away jerseys, shorts, jackets, scarves and wristbands. Socceroos, aren't your team? Rebel Sport's got you covered. We've got gear from all your favourite international soccer teams, including England, Italy, Brazil and a stack more. Get into Rebel Sport today or shop online at rebelsport.com.au and show your pride on the pitch this season. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to the 442 Insider podcast. And now we're going to look at some of the biggest news from the week in football from our website au.442.com. And of course, the biggest piece of news was Pim Verbeek announcing his Socceroos squad, a 31-man team at the moment to be trimmed down to 23 on June the 1st. So, um... <laughs> I was waiting for you to say something, but you, you looked like you were bursting. It looked like you were going to say, could you imagine what it would be like to be the 31st man? Is he going to have to stay in a different hotel or fly down from with Virgin or something like that instead? Well, it's like, it's like there's mates in it. It's sort of like, you know, you've, you've arranged the trip for ages. Four years ago, you arranged this trip. You know, it's like, yeah, we're going to do it. You're going to the last up. minute, still, can I bring a mate? No, you can't. We've got <laughs> the hotel rooms. We've got we've got a six seater, not a seven seater. Yeah. yeah. Look, he's called Eugene. Eugene. Oh, we can't have someone <laughs> called Eugene in the party. God, everyone's gonna laugh at it. But look, anyway, thirty-one man team. Um, any real surprises there uh, for you out of that one? Yeah, James Holland was a surprise for me. I'd sort of forgotten about him. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, obviously, he's not broken into the to the AZ team. Um, but he has been playing consistently for the reserves and, and by all accounts has been impressing the, the people there. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's just testament to the fact that he's slipped off the radar a bit and mm-hmm. hasn't been in any of the other big squads that, that Pim's announced. So that was a surprise. Um, but beyond that, not really. It was La- Lowry a bit of a surprise? T- yeah, he's t- un- uncapped, isn't he? So. Two uncapped players, isn't it? Lowry and Federici, but Federici's obviously got a lot more experience. A bit more but... established, isn't he, at, at club level, so I don't think that's that big a start. I mean, Michael Beauchamp's... That, yeah, that, Beecham you know, as that, well. That, yeah, Beecham, sorry. Uh, that was a surprise. Because, yeah. again, another player we sort of forgot about. I mean, he went four years ago, didn't he? Wasn't he a surprise? Yeah, it was yes. him and Milligan, wasn't it? Well, the surprise is four years ago, and he's the, you know, the surprise again. I, but saw, I don't think he'll actually go. I don't think he'll be part of the 23. I saw someone post on their but, Facebook that George Best and Ryan Giggs have never been to a World Cup and Michael Beecham could go to his second. second. <laughs> but also, I mean, you've got to think, though, that if, they do, if he doesn't take him, what are you saying? That the, the, who are the backup centre-halves? Milligan and North. Yeah, yeah Milligan, North, Moore, Neil. Well, that's two small, very small centre-backs. He probably mm. thinks he's probably thinking that Reese Williams could play there if it needs to. Mm. But I just look at Serbia in the last game with eight foot four inch Zigic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Andre the Giant comes off the they bench. Need, uh, there's no shortage of defensive midfielders. I mean, at my count, there's seven players that could play there. Some are natural. I mean, Grella, Kalina, Valeri, Jednak, Holland, Williams and Wiltshire could all play there. So mm. I think in terms of the players that can't, I reckon some of those guys might be in danger. Uh, any any surprise that someone like Bruce Schiette didn't make it? I mean, obviously, he's probably playing a little bit more than, say, James Holland, um, although he's on loan at a lower division Turkish club now, isn't he? Um, yeah, I, mean, I just think with with him, you know, 
sticking rigidly to the to the one up front. I thought he was all you know, he was always gonna make taking four or five forwards unlikely, you know, and he's named what, three three out and out forwards you'd say, Kennedy, Rukovica and McDonald. Mm-hmm. Um and the likelihood is, as we're all tipping, is that if Kill's fit, none of them are gonna start anyway. So he's got three strikers on the bench, you know, with Kill playing that that lone man. Uh, so yeah, so it, it wasn't a surprise to me. Um, I was quite pleased to see Rukovic there because I do think he's got a lot of potential. And mm. uh, and the, the one thing that he has got is is blistering pace, which you know if if you're gonna be a, a sub, you know that's one attribute that you need when you come on twenty minutes to go. People are tiring. Is if you've got that pace, then that mm. can that can be decisive. Are we always, it's almost like an obligatory question that we know the answer to, but we feel like we should ask it anyway. Uh, A-League light squad, no, mm. no players from the A-League, except for Eugene. And Kalina. Um, oh, and, and Jason, yeah. Is it, uh, would we have it any other way, or is it, is it a talking point, well, or is it just a fact of life now? I had a little research at the other World Cup teams, because in 2006, apparently Ivory Coast, the only nation to take a team without anyone from their domestic league in it. Mm. I think they've got two players from the Ivory Coast Premier League in their provisional squad. Um, so it's likely that Australia could be the nation with the smallest amount of players from their domestic league. Mm. Um, you know, th- that said, you, who else would you put in? You can't really argue, but I mean, I, I suppose perhaps the only person that I'd, I'd make a case for would be Simon Colosimo, because he might say, you know, I'm a centre-back that's not going to place in the A-League, but... You know, we've got I've got defenders from the UAE league, the Norwegian league, and the second flight of was it sorry, it's Japanese football mm. are going, but the A League player isn't. So I can imagine him being slightly miffed if he looked at that squad. Yeah, I'd, I'd say Colosimo and maybe Alex Bross would probably have been the the two A League players that that you would have thought might have got a look in. Um, mm. But as you say, Pim's made his sort of feelings known and he's backed his opinion you know his opinion is it's better to be training at a, a quality side in Europe or playing second tier in Europe than it is playing in the A-League and he's or even Asia it his, seems even yeah. playing in Asia is a lot better interesting on the forums a lot of calls for Ogonofsky and Eddie Bosner I mean I'm not entirely sold on that I think sometimes people haven't seen these players play like, who's seen Eddie Bosnar play yeah. on our forums but, I mean, but they, they see oh he's playing at that level or yeah. I've read the Aussies overseas update on 442 and I think yeah. that he should be in the squad and that's Pim- fair enough it, it, you know these people deserve it but sometimes it's just like a you know people you have to pull, watch pull people on a name to form and, an opinion don't yeah. you really? so out of the 31 who do we see as the guys who are going to be unlucky enough not to make it I think a lot of it is obviously going to depend on how you know, there's still big question marks over some of what you would say are the first choice squad um, as far as injury. You know, is Kiel fit? Is he not? How far away from fitness is he? You know, and I guess it will come down to how much of a gamble Pim is willing to take if some of his first choice players are injured. You know, does he take one injured? Does he take two? I mean, we've had, you know, Grella, Emerton. Reese Williams is carrying an injury. Kuehl is in, you know, is is injured to what degree? We're not sure. So I think you know that the next ten days will hopefully clear up a few of those places. And and if but you know we could be sat here in in a week's time with Kuehl and Williams ruling themselves out. In which mm. case that changes who's gonna 
miss out. But I mean, if all if all players were fit, I'd probably say. And are we talking about what we think is going to happen or what I, what we would do? Tell us what you would do if everyone was fit. I make um, that decision. I now. wouldn't take. I, I would leave out James Holland, Millie Yedinak, Shane Lowry, Jade North, Dario Vidasic, and Brett Holman. The last if it was two. To me. The last two. If it was down to me. Okay. I mean, yeah, I've, I've got what I. Th- this is what I think Pim's going to drop, and then I'll say perhaps what I'd do differently. Yeah. Um, Bochamp, Carl, Garcia, Holland, Yedniak, Lowry, and Orr. That's the seven I, I think he'll drop from the squad. I'd like to take Orr out of that, and I'd probably take Carl as well, and look to drop. You know, Hol- <laughs> Holman as well. We talked about it before. I wouldn't be that bothered about. Um, but there's a few key battles, isn't there? There's a, there's a, you know, I think Cole Garcia, Rukovitsa and Vidasic. I think he'll take two out of those four, and a lot could depend on how fit they are and how well they do in training. But the reason I say I don't think Carl will make it is because I just don't think Pim rates him that much. I mean, he's shown over the time he's been national manager that he's not that bothered about Carl. Well, I'm, I'm just a firm believer in that. The only reason you make substitutions is that what you're currently doing isn't working. So there's little point in just replacing like for like yeah. in exactly the same formation. You need to take players that are on the bench that can offer you something different if your original game plan isn't working and you need to change it. You need to either change the system you're playing or you need to change the type, the angle of attack. You know? And so those players, you know, Rukovica offers something different. He offers raw pace. Mm. Tommy Orr offers something different on the left-hand side. If you know, we, we've seen that their fullbacks are getting too far forward or whatever, or their fullbacks are susceptible, you know, or will go outside his player and get crosses in. Mm. And if you've got a player like Kennedy, and I just think, you know, Richard Garcia, I, I think we're, we're blessed with a number of sort of you know defensive and attacking midfielders. Um, so you know, you could quite easily take you know Holland, Holman, Yedinak, and Vidasic out of that squad without leaving it bare on the sort of defensive front. But where I think, you know, where the Socceroos are going to struggle most is scoring goals. And does that both, when you say like for like and changing things up, does that factor into both of you saying that you think Scott McDonald should go? Because you both didn't yeah, say absolutely. you Yeah, because he is something different. You know, he's a goal poacher and you know, they might need to go to 4-4-2 at some point or, you know. <laughs> Not the magazine. <laughs> no. What do I do? What, ask you that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they might need to change the formation, you know, and... I, and you know, he may still come to me. You can't argue with the fact that he has scored goals consistently at the level. But what he isn't is a lone front man. Hmm. And how many of those 15 caps where everyone's talking about 15 games and no goals, has he been asked to play a role that arguably doesn't suit him? Yeah. And I think it's quite easy to shift to 4 4 2 from what Pim lays out if we need a goal, because I think you just lose one of the defensive midfielders. So you yeah. either drop cleaner or Grella. Stick McDonald up front, go to a flat four just across the middle. Say to Tim Kale, just play five yards deeper. Mm. Mm. Well, as usual, we've uh, we've overtalked in this section, but before we go, um, just wanted to uh, draw people's attention to a fantastic competition that we've got going <laughs> what, on. What uh, a stranger competition! Usually, usually, the, the my my fellow pod members like to uh, live alongside inflatable goods, but we're actually uh, um, offering. I hope it's not a, inflatable. It's not inflatable. <laughs> we're offering readers the chance to live inside a giant Jabalani World Cup football for the the entire duration of the World Cup. Um, 
it's certainly one of those proposals that you get from someone that you actually have to read it twice to realize yeah you're like uh, what adidas are uh, running a competition with a giant how big is it it's just under six meters tall six meters tall javelani football which is uh turned into a house with a yep. A TV and a PlayStation and a computer area. There's a little kitchenette area. So literally you can live in it. And uh, they're looking for a basically an ambassador to watch every World Cup game inside the ball and uh, write blogs and diaries and uh, be uh, available for media interviews. I think uh, it's going to be a worldwide sensation and we've teamed up with them to try and find the winner. So uh, make sure you go to our website. Uh, The title, if you want to search for it, is Life's a Ball, Literally. (laughs) So uh, check that one out and uh, make sure you get your entries in. You, you, You think that would be a good one, lads, living in a ball? I love it, yeah. It'd be great. Get yourself... It's certainly, it's certainly an excuse to do what most blokes will be trying to do anyway and their mm. other halves will be exactly. not to. So it's a chance to legitimise mm. a month of doing nothing else other than watching exactly. the football. Friends, family, work. They're the three things you have to get rid of during the World Cup. And um, with this ball, you're able to... Tixel. And let's just hope the air in there doesn't actually smell like the air that's been in a football. If you've no. ever you know, like taken the air out of an old football, you'll... Uh, <laughs> You'll know it's not a, a, a pleasant well, sensation. It's a bit like glue sniffing. Do it tonight. <laughs> oh, it's all stale. It's stale breath, basically. So you know, breath. Who blows up a football? You need to just <laughs> get it in there. Maybe my footballs. Maybe that's why they're always flat. Yeah. Anyway, enough rambling. We've got football to talk How about. How old your football? It's still it's got laces. It's a seventy-four one. You don't want to head on the laces. It gives you. A thing. Join us after the break as we'll be looking at Group D World Cup, uh, which includes Australia, Germany, Ghana, and Serbia. So join us then. Four Four Two's Ultimate World Cup Pack is on sale now, and it's our biggest and best value pack yet, with two magazines including a complete guide to the World Cup, giant wall chart, Socceroos DVD, official World Cup Panini sticker book, plus a pack of stickers to start your collection. It's all you. Need to warm up for the World Cup. If it's in the game, it's in 442. On sale now. Back to 442 Insider. Back to the 442 Insider podcast, and now we're going to turn our attentions to South Africa uh, with a look at Group D, World Cup group, featuring. Uh, Teams that I'm sure that you're all uh, very familiar with now. If you're an avid football fan or a Socceroos fan, you're going to be a, done your research. Obviously, by reading our fantastic World Cup issue and supplement uh, for the lowdown on the teams involved. Australia, Germany, Serbia and Ghana. Um, and lads, World Cup's most even group in terms of quality of the four teams, do we think? Yeah, I, I, I think Cam's um, it. Japan and Cameroon and all the rest that's quite an even group as well yeah, but yeah, and Holland. In, yeah in terms of four teams that are going there obviously Germany will have aspirations to win it but the other three you know group teams the non-seeded ones will all be going there thinking you know we want to make the knockout stages and take it from there whereas there's other nations that will probably just be happy for a respectable performance in the group so in that sense you know, yeah, and you know, we were talking about this the other day in terms of how Australia were fair I mean realistically you know Australia are good enough to get out of this group with you know six seven points, but it's also possible we could lose all three games, and that's that's what makes it so interesting, I suppose. Mm. I think I think the other thing I was thinking about this this morning is, is that um, the the Australia's World Cup this time round is going to have such a completely different dynamic <laughs> to last time in that 
last time the, the opening game is the game that they needed to win they were expected to win and that almost guaranteed the interest going across three games mm. um, and the second game was the sort of free hit if you like because no one expected them to beat Brazil but as long as they won the first game they knew that didn't matter final game it was all going to come down to Croatia whereas this this time around the big the, the, the big game is, is, is the first game lose that you're then going into the second game knowing that this had a free hit if you lose, lose this score. game you're out mm. you know, and I think it's going to be a very very different dynamic for mentally for Socceroos and a lot of craps talked about Germany at the start oh you know it's good to get them first up rubbish yeah. it's like the last six world opening games they've won five and drawn one you know the best time to get the Germans is the third game because the Germans are very methodical about their, the way they approach their World Cup they try and win the first two games and then they rest players for the third game because they've earned the right to do it and that's the way they view tournament football and that's why they're so bloody successful at it so if you're going to play Germany, the best time to play Germany is the third game and hope they win the first two and you end up playing a weakened German side with a good chance of getting a result. So I think it's going to be very tough, really tough. You know, I think they're going to go into the Ghana game you know, knowing that that's the game they've got to win and the problem with that is that you know, the way that Ghana plays, they're so quick on the break. Um, they, they don't tend to be the the most organised of sides which I, I think that's generally when we see the sort of Socceroos struggle Socceroos quite like things rigid and organised mm-hmm. and um, and certainly as we've talked about and Trev's confronted quite more himself with it you know is that I, if there's one area where I think the Socceroos will be um, vulnerable it is to quick counter attacking football mm-hmm. um, and so I, I, yeah I fear for the fact that it could be an all or nothing game against Ghana and that could uh, could play into Ghana's hands. Yeah, Trev, the importance of the Germany game then, after what Andy said, do you think it um, it's less significant then? How how do you think Australia are going to go into that game? How are they going to approach it? Yeah, I mean, like all guns know, blazing. No, definitely not. Hoping to stay in the game for as long as possible and hope to nick something, but a point would be a massive result. But mm. yeah, I mean. I agree, and a lot of people have been saying, "Oh, it's good to get you know the bigger nations first because they start slower because they want to build momentum because there's seven games." I think that's more true of the South American teams. I think sometimes Brazil and Argentina might start a little bit slower. I don't think Germany will, and that's a really tough opening game. So even just to you know if four points would be enough, even just to keep it tight, even just a one-nil loss would perhaps not isn't the worst result. Yeah. And everyone's talking about Germany, arguably Serbia are you know, stronger. T- potentially a stronger team than, than Germany in this World Cup yeah yeah. I was going to say we mentioned a little bit about Germany and Ghana already but, but Serbia are, are many people's dark horses to actually do, do some damage in the tournament itself you know going, going onwards uh, Trev said that it, there's a possibility that we could you know it's just as easy that we could lose all three games do, do you think that that's right? Do you think that that could? Do you think that could happen, or that you know? And and what do we think that outcome would have on the perception or the reality of Australian football? Absolutely. In this I mean, absolutely. I mean, I would argue that probably Australia, Trev, odds probably going to be Stat nearly three bucks for each of these games. You'd probably say. Two, I think so. Two. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, well, you know, which so is that, fairly long. Enough. So that is the bookmaker saying for every three times they play, Australia is, should win once. So that, that means that every 
three times they play, twice they're going to lose. They're probably yeah. about five to one for the Germany game, yeah. I would have thought as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, one interesting thing that um, you did say about Ghana being a, a little bit disorganised, I've been reading the copy that we've been sent in for the next issue. And we had a, a colleague of mine who's who's a bit of a football expert, a European football expert and uh, African football expert. And he actually says the new Ghana boss, uh, Milovan Rajavak, who's actually a Serb, um, has brought in a lot more organisation right, to the side. Yeah, so and said, I watched in the African yeah. Nations Cup. And the, I think that might have been because they did play a lot of the younger players mm, yeah, um, in yeah. the African Nations Cup who were probably learning that sort of discipline. But... And and do we think you know like we we said Serbia they're probably the biggest rival to us for qualification or is it you know do we, we've kind of just ascertained that it's a, it's going to be a pot yeah, shot between I, everyone really isn't yeah, it yeah you know I mean Serbia obviously got Ghana first game you know that could that could throw up a surprise mm. yeah. you know I, I think it is a really really even group and what do we want we want one team to win that game. So the other, so there's one team with no points, as you know. So there's one. Yeah, it's tough. It's, 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 yeah, it's weird. I'm, isn't I'm it? on about my fifth or sixth World Cup on FIFA, and I'm still yet to determine what's the best way the results go. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I think the key is that yeah, Australia have to approach the Germany game and mentally trying to get something out of it. You know, and if that means, and I'd probably, in a way, I might disagree with you. I think they probably need to force the issue a bit more. I, I think if they just sit back and try and play for the draw, I think they'll. I don't think they'll get it. I think the best way would be to actually go on the front foot, um, you know. And and he's pinned the right coach to do that. Is that going to be his mentality? Certainly, you think. Well, what would Gus Hiddink have done? Mm. And he would probably, you know, think back to the the away game in Montevideo when everyone expected the Socceroos to go play for a draw and he names Kuehl he names Viduka he names a very attacking lineup for the very sort of reason of putting them on the front foot mm. and not allowing them to f- commit too many men forward because they're not going to leave themselves open at the back and I think the danger is is that he will go out defensive against Germany with a view to getting um, to trying to get the point and that just invites the Germans to, to go forward and push the fullbacks forward people like Lahm who can hurt you um, because they know that there's there's no one yeah, yeah. behind them, and and this team isn't looking to attack, you know. So we can commit men forward in numbers with that with that confidence. So I think it's a, it's a very tight, you know, thin line to to try. But everything that we've seen from Pim would suggest that he's going to go and park the bus in the opening game, and I'm not sure that that's the the, the best course of action. Mm. I mean, for the looks of things, that Germany might line up exactly the same as us in a four-two-three-one. So if it's you know the same formation, both playing with one, it's going to be a lot to do with you know the mentality as well as the uh, the actual tactics. Are we going to look to when we pick up the ball, you know what areas we're going to move it into? I won't mean, be surprised that if he doesn't start Kennedy, you know I think talk about looking for goals. They started you know hopefully if Harry was fit, starting Harry because that gives us a chance if we do get in front, he's the better person to sort of drop off and do something else with the ball rather than Kennedy I think yeah. can hold up the ball but it's more someone we look to for the goals OK prediction time put yourself uh, on the line um, I, I think Germany, Germany and Serbia will go through I think Australia will get third and, and Ghana will be bomb Andy yeah um, I, yeah I struggle to, to disagree with that I think Germany and Serbia are you know, are the two strongest sides. And I think that's the way, you know, that, that people should be expecting it to go. 
I think there is this sort of bit of blase sort of overconfidence um, because of what happened last time, you know. But uh, you know, Australia are by no means favourites to get out of this group, and mm. it would be a, a, a much, much better achievement for them to get out of this group than it was in 2006. So. Definitely. Well, thanks, guards. That was all, uh, all you needed to know about Group D. If you feel like you need to know more, make sure you go out and buy our special World Cup edition. Bagged up issue. Be quick. Selling out it's quick. Selling out. You've got a magazine, a supplement, a wall chart, a DVD, sticker album, sticker. You got some swapsies for me, Trev? It's cost me a fortune, this it's sticker brilliant. album. I haven't bought I want to do it as quickly as possible. Yeah, <laughs> I need to start, um, start catching you up on that. And, mm. uh, no, great stuff. So make sure you get out there and, and get your magazine early because you might not be able to find it in a week or so's time. Join us uh, for the last section after the break where we'll be looking at the FA Cup, the final weekend in Spain and Italy. The countdown to the 2010 World Cup has begun. So now's the time to start showing support for your team. Kit yourself out in all the latest Socceroos gear from Rebel Sport and get ready for the action to begin. We've got men's and kids away jerseys, shorts, jackets, scarves and wristbands. Socceroos aren't your team? Rebel Sport's got you covered. We've got gear from all your favourite international soccer teams including England, Italy, Brazil and a stack more. Get into Rebel Sport today or shop online at rebelsport.com.au and show your pride on the pitch this season. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to the 442 Insider podcast and we're in the last section. Uh, we'll make it quick because Andy likes to hold off his coughs before um, uh, we go off the air. So thanks for joining us and uh, see you next week. <coughs> there we there go. go. There we got it all out. Um, now we're going to have a look at some of the... Uh, there's still some football to play, isn't there? So we're going to look at some of the games still to be played. And first up is the FA Cup final, English FA Cup final between Portsmouth and Chelsea. Uh, the Premier League champions, the newly crowned Premier League champions against a team that was going down and in all sorts of financial turmoil. Top the so bomb. Portsmouth will win then? <laughs> no. No, I don't think so, no. I mean... Chelsea had to hold their nerves in the last game of the season. They won 8 0. Um, Portsmouth got loads of injuries stacking up as well. Uh, and I know it was an impressive result to be a, a good Tottenham side in the semis. Um, but I think Chelsea, with a, with a double in sight, um, are going to be very hard to, to shake off. How do you think, Andy? Do you think that's. Uh, yeah, Portsmouth I've, got any chance? I don't think so. I've, I've bet on over three and a half goals. This, which is rare for an FA Cup final. What odds is that? It's about $2.80, I think. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, as Trev said, I think Chelsea will go into this full of confidence. Uh, yeah, it wasn't a nervy win by any stretch of the imagination to win the Premier League. I think they'll go into this wanting to give the fans good end, you know, World Cup year, finish on a high, roll straight into the World Cup. I can't, I mean... You'd probably say the only thing that could give Portsmouth a sniff would be if it absolutely hammers it down in England over the next few days and it creates a bit of a pudding of a pitch, mm. um, which is you know, which we've seen at Wembley um, in cup finals since the new Wembley's been open. I'd say that's their only hope because I think if, if Chelsea get the ball down and some of the... I mean, even though uh, that the, the opposition had a man sent off, some of the passing and the movement that they were that they were doing at the weekend was phenomenal and I think if they do that at the weekend if they're allowed to do that at the weekend I think they'll they'll win comfortably if you were uh, Avram Grant 
Um, I suppose your girlfriend would break up you straight away, Trev. But um, <laughs> if if you were Avram Grant, what would you be doing to uh, to try and you know neutralise what Andy was just talking about, or how would you go about you know setting your team out for this game? Yeah, I mean it's it's a really really tough question, and it's one you know I don't think he's got the answer to. To be fair, probably try and sneak an extra man on in a warm up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I hope mean the ref doesn't do that little cant thing that they always do at the start. Yeah. I mean, just the obvious. I mean, make sure Drogba hasn't got any route to express himself. Keep close on Lampard, but you know, I think they'll have to go to go for it for a certain extent. I mean, they held off Tottenham for a long while in the semi, but no, I, d- I can't see any way. Like we talked about with the Socceroos approach in Germany, you can't go out and play against this Chelsea side and try and sit back and contain them because eventually they they've got so much quality that they will find a way through. You know, and that's really the difference between you know, when we talk about the, the chasing pack, Villa, Spurs to a degree. Um, we all tend to struggle against those sides that put ten men behind the ball. Mm. Um, that's why you know Spurs have had some dodgy results against Stoke and Wolves and teams like that. Same with Villa, Wigan, because they struggle to break teams down because they don't have that just that final quality in the yeah. last third. But Chelsea have that in spades. You look at Malouda, Drogba, Anelka, Lampard. Cole coming, you know, take one of them off, you bring Joe Cole on, you know. Mm. Ashley Cole seems to be, have come back, you know, fit from his injury, which is good news for England. So I, th- I think the only hope they've got is to, you know, is to hope that Chelsea have an off day and, and go for it. Yeah. You know, what have you got to lose? Everyone's expecting them to get pummeled. You know, the fans are going to have a good day out. If you're a fan of Portsmouth, I think you'd rather go and see the team go and have a crack at it mm. and get thumped than not have a crack at it and probably still get thumped. Absolutely. Has the uh, has the smell of Mourinho finally left the building? <laughs> mm, the must. <laughs> His own fragrance. Um, me, obviously, by yeah. Jose. <laughs> me, yeah. Everybody Let's me. talk about me. me. Um, <laughs> the smell of me. Um, obviously, Ancelotti's come in, won the league and uh, going for the double. Mm. Uh, will it stop people harking back to the days of Mourinho or is it is it now just really the cult of Mourinho and the personality that still lingers Ancelotti's a likeable guy he's a good guy and I think he, he's popular too he's done the double this season um, in more emphatic style than Mourinho did whereas you know Mourinho would get one in front and that would be enough yeah. to sort of hold on. Ancelotti wants to push on more and more goals. I think what he'd have to do to really sort of you know get rid of the, the memories of Mourinho would be to win the Champions League because Mourinho didn't do that at Chelsea. Mm. And uh, if, he'd done, if he'd done that, then people might speak differently. But I think everyone misses Mourinho anyway, if only for the post-match press conferences and the, the hype that he gets around his team. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, Ancelotti's delivered... Abramovich what he wanted which was the reason why Mourinho left which was he wanted winning football but attractive you know high scoring winning football which you know Mourinho wasn't capable of delivering consistently um, winning wasn't enough you know so Ancelotti's done that but I agree with Trevor I think yeah Mourinho will always be you know that figurehead at, at Chelsea A because of the sort of person he was but B because he won on the title after they, they hadn't won it for so long yeah um, so I think for Ancelotti to get out there, he's got to win them something that Mourinho didn't, and and that's the Champions League. And you know maybe next season, be you know we talked about David Villa or something like that. Maybe we see someone of that ilk being brought in. Villa or Aguero has obviously been talked about. Pato is another one that mm-hmm. um, didn't make the results. Yeah, card. I know, bizarre. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think I think he's certainly up there. Champions League would would. 
probably make him an immortal at, at Chelsea, yeah, I'm absolutely. sure. So, score prediction for the FA Cup? We'll go 3-0 Chelsea. 3-0 Chelsea. 4-1. 4-1. Okay. Moving on. Portsmouth. 4 <laughs> Moving on. Final weekend in Spain uh, between the uh, usual suspects of Barcelona and Real Madrid. Uh, Barca are on 96 points. Real Madrid on 95. Barcelona host 16th place Valladolid. And Madrid... Uh, play away to using my SBS uh, uh, yeah. uh, pronunciations uh, are away to 17th place uh, Malaga because I don't know how to pronounce that any other way um, Malaga Malaga it seems as though everyone's kind of caught up in the hype machine of uh, Barcelona and rightly so because they're a great football team but Madrid have kept plugging away and they've kept uh, kept pace um, well they did last season as well didn't they was it is that a Ramos reflection there, of they like won 12, 17 yeah, in the last eight But is that a reflection of just how bad the yeah, other teams are in is. Spain? I think it's a reflection on the fact that you've got two teams that are just on a different plane to the rest, financially, crowd-wise, like and Eugene on the Galakovic pitch. Like Eugene with the Socceroos, different <laughs> plane. Um, I think we'll see very similar. I think we'll see what happened in, the, in England. There is a chance of a, of a last day switch around at the top but I don't think it will happen I think they'll both go and win I think Barcelona will take the title yeah you agree with that completely as well no, I don't think they do it on goal difference over there either. I think it's it's done on uh, head to head head to head I mean not that it's unlikely that Barcelona are going to lose and Real Madrid would you know, get a point and go past the goal difference so no but yeah but I mean it'll be Barcelona and, uh, Barcelona have consistently scored three four goals a game in the yeah. league and you know hosting a struggling team it, it's quite interesting the relegation battle as well because um, I haven't got the table in front of me, but I think there's a load of teams on 36 points, um, and you know two of them are the two teams that are playing Barcelona and Real Madrid. Today. Okay. So you know they will be fighting for their lives, but yeah, again I'm trying to find a reason. But yeah, I, th- I think both of those teams will win. Yeah, and my notes say here is the Spanish league becoming like the Scottish league. Um, no, because the top two in Spain have still got some money, and they're actually good, <laughs> and they're actually quite good to watch. Yeah. Yeah. But take, yeah, it, but, yeah, it, it yeah, turns out division. Take that, yeah. Kevin Ayers. It is, it is a point. Yeah, it's like everyone was saying, oh, the, the English Premier League is becoming dull. And that, but you compare that with all the top leagues. You know, Spain, Italy, we're going to talk about it in a minute. You know, arguably the Premier League is, is one of the more in, exciting Liverpool leagues. Liverpool down in seventh this season. Yeah. You have to come in second last year. Yeah, it? absolutely. And as Andy said, Italy uh, is in its final weekend this weekend. And it's uh, down to the wire there as well with Inter Milan on 79 points Roma on 77 but with a far inferior goal difference Inter away to 19th place Siena and Roma are away to uh, Chievo Verona do we see Inter slipping up there? More of the same like we said about the Premiership and La Liga um, Mm. and and especially Mourinho Inter team you know (laughs) even more likely to throw up a shock result here They'll have them well, well prepped and prepared for that one, and they probably, you know, it won't be eight nil like it was at Chelsea. It'll probably be one nil or two nil or something like that. But yeah, they'll, they'll do enough to pick up yet another time. Yeah, there's a, there's a period where Roma really threatened when we spoke about this last time, and Roma had gone on an amazing run, and just didn't have that final sort of push. And it was almost I sort of got the feeling that Inter was so preoccupied with the Champions League and that game against Barcelona that they sort of took their eye off the ball domestically for, mm. for a few weeks. And it's almost, now they've got to the final, they're like, well, hang on a minute, we might as well go and win the league yeah. before we go to the Champions League final. Because all of a sudden, they've now got the treble on. You know, it's the domestic cup, league and Champions League. So it was almost like 
the league slipped as a priority but now it's sort of like well we're in the Champions League final but that's not for three weeks let's go and win the last three games and win the league so yeah. I'd, I'd fully expect them to go and win it you do too yeah oh yeah completely it would be a massive surprise to see any, well I mean it are going to have to lose you know not yeah. neutral going to have to lose and then yeah. Roma win so nah, very very little chance Got a good week of football ahead uh, across the European continent. Uh, make sure you check it all out and make sure you go out and buy our magazine. Uh, you won't be disappointed. Join us next week as we'll be looking at World Cup Group E and uh, all the world's and Australian football news. Join us then. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.